Learn about greed, which can seize all of our hearts. God, direct us to your heart, please. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, how cool is that to see the, uh, the generosity of, of you all and, and the other members of our other campus has impacted a place on the other side of the world like India. And we're going to hear more about generosity in a few minutes. Uh, if you are a guest with us for the first time, special welcome to you. My name is Joe, and I serve as one of the pastors here at the chapel. We're so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, before we jump into today's message, I want to play a little bit of a game. All right. It's the 1130 service. Y'all are awake. You've had your coffee. I'm glad you're here. I also like this service because there's nothing afterwards, so I can keep you here as long as I want today. All right. I'm kidding. Sit back down. Here we go. So we're going to play this game called What Is It? All right. I'm going to give you some clues, and I want to see if you can figure out what we're talking about here. So first one is it rips apart friends and business partners. It will drive you, but it will also destroy you. It will cause brother to turn against brother and sister against sister. It is never satisfied. It is a powerful motivator, but can cause an absolute mess. And finally, it chases after more and hoards what it already has. Does anybody know what this means? If you know it, just shout it out. Greed, thank you. You all are so smart. Great job. Okay, Uh, so if you were to go out and interview people and ask them to define greed, you probably get quite a few different answers. But I love how scholar William Barclay says it. He says... Sorry, there's your answer. He says this, greed is an aggressive vice that operates in three spheres of life. So first, in the material sphere, it involves grasping at money and goods, regardless of honor and honesty. Secondly, in the ethical sphere, it is the ambition which tramples on others to gain something which is not properly meant for it. And then lastly, in the moral sphere, it is the unbridled lust which takes its pleasure in where it has no right to take. So we are talking about greed today. And I got to tell you, I feel like a total hypocrite giving this message. All right, and I'll explain why. So about a year and a half ago, I got this bright idea that I would sell my truck and buy a 2008 Dodge Challenger SRT8, uh, an emotional support vehicle, if you will. Not quite a midlife crisis, maybe like a third life crisis. I don't know. Listen, I'm not good at financial decisions, okay? Um, And uh, then like this year, like uh, maybe there was some greed going on, all right? But then this year I was like, well, I'm going to do the smart thing because like I couldn't drive this in the winter, so I'd have to get another car for the winter. And so this year I'm like, okay, I'm going to sell my Challenger and I'm going to buy something practical that I drive year round. So I bought a, a Land Rover. It was cheap. Listen, it was used, all right? Low miles. It was a good car. Uh, the problem is nobody will buy my Challenger, okay? So now if you come to my house, you see this Challenger and this Land Rover. My wife drives a BMW. She's got her own greed. Y'all pray for her. Um, and it just looks like I'm a hypocrite, right? But it's like nobody will buy my Challenger. So I've got these three dumb cars, and I feel like so stupid giving this message, all right? So I'm just saying this because it's like obviously I need to learn something here. So The reason we're talking about greed is because we are in this series talking about wisdom literature and how to stop learning things the hard way. Because here's, if you are a parent, all right, you wish that you could take the wisdom that you have and the life experiences that you have in your mind and transfer them into your kid's brain via verbal communication, right? But you know they're just going to get out there and they just got to learn some stuff the hard way. It seems like we only really, things only really sink in when we experience them ourselves. But, but, the, but the reality is, is that if we were to listen to God's word, 
it could save us a lot of heartache, a lot of car payments, all right? So well, that's what we're trying to do here. Um, and, and maybe you've, you've already learned some lessons about greed the hard way. Or you've watched it happen in the lives of other people. And you can affirm some of the truths that we're going to hear about. Or maybe you're here and you wouldn't really consider yourself a greedy person. But if you listen to what we have to talk about, it may unearth some greed that's maybe just underneath the surface. And you can put a stop to it before it causes some damage in your life. Or today may just be a celebration of God's power in your life that you would say, yes, I used to be consumed by greed, but but Jesus got a hold of me and God has given me this generous heart out of that. So, so we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in Proverbs 11. So that's where we're going to be today if you have your Bible with you. Uh, if you want to use the YouVersion app or the Dwell app on your phone, I'll put the text on the screen for you as well. But we're going to read from Proverbs 11, verses 24 through 28. So it starts off, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. So there's a lot there, but I think we could sum it up in one sentence. And if you walk away remembering one thing today, I want it to be this. That John, generosity can give you what greed can't get you. Uh, so the next few minutes, I'd like us to look at each one of these verses and sort of unpack and see what it has to say and how it encourages towards generosity and warns us about greed. So the first one, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly becomes to poverty. So this proverb compares the generous person with the greedy person. The generous person is one who gives freely, and the proverb says that because of that, they gain even more. Now, that is not the motivation to give, because if you're like me, you're just like, oh, wait, is there a formula here? Is there like a loophole? So you're saying if I give more, God's going to give me more? Maybe, but that's not it. The motivation for giving and generosity is that God has given us so much. Now, I realize that you may be here and you're going through some stuff in your life where you don't feel like God has been generous to you, right? And I think it's very easy for us to overlook certain things. Like, for example, we are breathing God's air right now. There, there are things that have been given to us by God's common grace. Sunshine, laughter, donuts, happiness. I mean, good, good things, right? And then... That doesn't even take into consideration the fact that even though all of us have turned our backs on God, that God loved you and me so much that out of his generous, incredible grace, he sent his son to take the place for us, to pay the penalty for our sins. And so that, that is the motivation. And when we give gener generously, we reflect the very, the very image of God that he has put in us. When we give generously, we are reflecting the loving character of Jesus into a broken world. And so our motivation isn't to get, but 
at the end of the day, that often the result is that you will gain more. Now, that could be financially or it could not be. It may be that you gain in relationship. It may be that you gain in spiritual wholeness. It may be that you gain um, d- development of your character. So there is a gain when we give. But the proverb also says, the, another who withholds unduly but comes to poverty. So when I first think of greed and maybe you think of this, you think of the person who's driven, their, their hustle culture, there's all, they're always out to try to make another dollar a little bit more, just getting more, getting more, getting more, right? And so then it's easy for me to justify to say, well, like, well I'm not greedy then because I'm not, I'm not out for getting more money. Like, I don't even look at my paycheck, you know? But here the proverb says that it's not just about having more that makes someone a greedy person. It's holding on too tightly to what we have that can also be greed, Now, it's not saying that we shouldn't hold on to anything. Of course, we need to work and to save and to provide for our families. But there's a point when enough is enough, right? But we oftentimes will convince ourselves that a want is a need. And and then we likely have more that we need because of greed. And then we hold on to those things that we don't really need. This is greed as well. I've heard it said before that when giving, a good question to ask is how much am I giving? But I think a better question to ask is how much am I keeping? How much am I keeping? And so the result of this, this proverb, the proverb says that the result is this, is that the unduly, the person who holds back unduly, this leads to poverty. When you hold on too tightly to the, to the very things that we have, or that what we already have, we very well may lose that one thing that we're trying to hold on to. The next verse says, or the next verse really focuses on the, the, the blessing of generosity as to opposed to this curse of greed. Here's what it says. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So just like in verse 24, it says that the generous person, and actually the word Hebrew we're here for person is soul because it's more than just something someone does. It is who they are. This isn't a person who just gives because it's the right thing to do. Right? Somebody asks them for money and they do it because they should. No, this is a person who out of their spirit loves to be generous, all right? Because when our soul has been touched by the generosity of God, it leads to a deep sense of gratitude and generosity that causes us to want to be generous from a deep place within our soul. It comes out of a heart that really gets it, that really understands it. And the writer says, he takes it even further. He says that whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is the idea of somebody who is just dehydrated and parched and someone gives them a drink of water. And it says that the person does that is themselves refreshed. And I've experienced this. I've experienced about, you know, uh, last summer, I was like, I need a bigger driveway. And you're like, yeah, because you got three cars, dummy. Um, But like our driveway could fit two cars in it. You just couldn't get out of the cars. You had to like park in the grass, right? So a friend of mine does this type of work. And I was like, hey, could you come and look at my driveway? I'd like to widen it a little bit. So he comes over and he looks at it and he's like, well, yeah, we can widen it. But if we widen it, the concrete's not going to match. And this slab has a crack in it. And you need a new sidewalk going up to the house. And so at this point, I'm like, well, this is out of my budget. So I'm just playing along here. I was like, all right, give me a, just give me an estimate. Because I'm like, I'm not going to do this. And he's like, no, I'm just going to do it. And I was like, what? 
He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna do it. Two weeks later, this guy shows up with like 12 dudes, an excavator, his trucks, everything. And in an, in an, by the time lunchtime rolled around, I had a brand new driveway. Stamped concrete going up to the house. Everything just beautiful. Cost me nothing. And I know you're probably like, do you have his number? And I can't give it to you. But here's the thing is like, he didn't do it because he just loves putting in driveways. This isn't his hobby. Right? There was a cost to him. But this is a guy who gets it, who understands that God has blessed him with what he has, and it's not for him to keep. It is for him to use to bless other people, and I promise you that it blessed him as well. Right before the service, I was in the, I was in the green room, which is where the worship team hangs out before they got out, and I was talking to one of, somebody who, one of the security guys, and uh, he was talking about, the, he had heard the message. He said, you know what, I was able to be generous and, and donate a kidney. And he goes, and it was just one of the greatest things that I was able to do to be able to see that person continuing to live their lives because I was able to help this person out. Man, whoever refreshes others, will they themselves be refreshed? Why? Because generosity gives you what greed can't get you. Greed looks for happiness and getting and maintaining and having. And I promise you that happiness is not there. The next verse highlights some of the consequences of both greed and generosity. Look at it with me. It says, people curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. So this, you know, we said it before that greed chases after more and hoards what it already has. And the result of this greed in our lives, it says that, that holding things back and not sharing with others, it says that people curse the one who hoards grain. Now, this may not mean that somebody is going to be like, you know, a curse on you and your kin, but it's like they're probably going to speak poorly of you. Maybe you know some people who are just so tight, you know, they're not willing to part with anything and they're always looking for more, right? And you probably don't have a lot of great things to say about that person. Greed won't gain you relationships. It will destroy relationships. People will likely speak poorly of you. But the opposite of this is that it says in the Proverbs that people who don't and are willing to share that it will cause God to pray or cause people to pray God's blessing upon them to speak well of them. So it's simple. If you want people to speak poorly of you, just be greedy. But if you want people to pray blessings over your life to speak highly of you, be generous, because generosity can give you what greed can't get you. And then we come to the end of this section in verse twenty-eight, and it comes to what's probably the most significant danger of all when it comes to greed. It says, those who trust in their riches will fall. Now, greed can lead to misplaced trust. It will be where we, because I'm not saying that having things is bad, right? It's when we, when we begin to trust our money instead of God. And it says that those who trust in their riches will fall. Um, for example, if gaining wealth, right, if you're into gaining wealth, which is not a bad thing, you want to be able to provide for your family, you want to put your kids through college, you want to be able to retire comfortably, you want to have some financial security, that's okay. But if that's what you're trusting, if that's what your hope is in, you're going to be controlled and enslaved. You're going to be completely under the power of money. And when you're not doing well at it, you're going to be devastated. So think about it, like if tomorrow you woke up and the bank account was zero or you lost your job or whatever it would be, would you be okay? Or would you just be crushed? 
would you be crushed? And then I find, you know, oftentimes, like, we, we, even when we do get enough, we seem to be disappointed and we want more. Like, I am convinced that I am just one more Amazon package away from personal fulfillment, right? Anybody else with me, right? And it hasn't worked yet, but I'm going to keep trying. I always think I'm just one thing away, right? And so what happens is when we treat things that are not God's as though they are, we become slaves to them spiritually. Anything but Jesus as a requirement for being happy or worthy, that thing will become your master. And here's where I think Christians fall into trouble. Because we wouldn't say that money is, is in control of our lives, right? We come to church, we believe that Jesus is God and he died on the cross, he saved us of our sins and all of that stuff, and we want that. But we also want some stuff, right? That's where it gets dangerous, because we're not forsaking Jesus and saying, no, I'm putting all my my stock in, my, in, in, in what I have, but it happens both at the same time. So the question is to ask yourself, you know, tomorrow, if your stocks tank, if you lose your job, if the housing market crashes, will you be okay? Because if not, what is really your functional savior is your riches. Without the gospel, we will be under the slavery of something else. And this is not just something that's talked about in Proverbs. This is all over God's, wor God's word. If we go back to the oldest book of the Bible and, and listen to what Job has to say, he says, have I put my trust in money or felt secure because of my gold? Have I gloated about my wealth and all that I own? Which he could because he was extremely wealthy. He said, if so, I should be punished by the judges for me. It would mean that I had denied the God of heaven. Job is saying that if he had trusted in those things, he would have been denying God. And so when we trust in our stuff, when we trust in our wealth, we're denying God. The late author and pastor Tim Keller puts it so well when he says, some trust wealth for safety in this world. Others trust it for a sense of significance and worth. But these are things that only God can give us. Greed sets in because we think that we can trust in our riches or our resources, but all of those things can be ripped away in an instant. Think about all the stories of people who you've heard who seemingly had gained it all, only for it to, and maybe in doing that, they compromised their integrity and their character and, and, and to do so, and because of that, greed took over, and in an instant, it was gone. And because of the ways they had gained it, maybe they got in trouble, maybe even ended up in prison. And the pro this proverb is warning us, those who do that, those who trust in riches, not might, but will fall. Now, the opposite of this proverb says that the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And now when it talks about righteous here, because that's sort of a churchy word, kind of a Christian word, it's not talking about people who have their lives all together, who's super holy, you know, work at a church, don't, you know, cuss or get tattoos. It's not talking about any of that stuff, right? It's the, the righteous are those who realize they cannot be righteous on their own, and they cannot somehow earn their way to God. That they can't pay for their own sins no matter how much money they have. There is no penance that they could pay that would make them right with God. And they realize that they are spiritually bankrupt before a holy and perfect God. And they believe that Jesus paid the debt that they could not afford. When a person confesses their own sin and puts their faith in Jesus, God's word says that they are made righteous through Christ. And the proverb says that those people 
those who are righteous will, will thrive like a green leaf. When we get it, when it settles into your heart what God has done for you, you will be given righteousness and you will get it and it will change. You will cease to trust in your money and choose to trust in Jesus. And then Proverbs says that we will thrive like a green leaf. Your life will be full. You will have the abundant life that Jesus promised us. Because we think that we, greed is gonna get us everything that we want, right? But Jesus had some really strong words about that. He said, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus was quoted in the book of Acts when he says, you should remember, or it says that you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because generosity can give you what greed can't get you. So now, what do we do? Right? If you know me, I like to be very practical. I don't want to just be like, hey, just go and be more generous because nobody will do that, right? So I want to give you some real practical ways of what does this look like tomorrow or, or at your work this week or, or dinner with your family, right? Well, the first one is maybe ask yourself some questions, right? Ask yourself this. Are you living with integrity when it comes to your financial dealings? Or like, does the thought of an audit just freak you out, Right? Or maybe, let me ask you this, do you have any accounts or credit cards that your spouse or other people don't know about so that you can make some purchases that fly under the radar? Are you doing some stuff at work that you know isn't good, but that's just what your company does? I thought about this story. My wife, um, at her work, they hired a new CEO, and uh, he gave her 50 cents, and he told her to go get some newspapers, and so there's like this box and you put money in and like, are they still making newspapers anymore? I don't know. So back in the day, all right, in the olden times, she put money in this machine and you would open this door and there's newspapers in there and you would take one. And he gives her 50 cents. He's like, go get a stack of newspapers. She's like, well, this is only enough for one. And he goes, well, just, it, the door opens, just take them. And he's like, she's like, I can't do that. That's stealing. And he knew then he could trust her with anything. And because of that, she is now over a $13 million budget. Because, God, because her boss knew if he could trust her with little, she could be trusted with much. So what about you? Are, you? are you being trusted with little? What about this? What do you trust money for? Security, power, control, acceptance from others, right? Because I think sometimes we feel like, especially in America, we have to have this certain standard of living so that we're approved by others, which I feel like is bottom of the barrel living. We're spending money to get approval from others. We're allowing other people to control the way we live and how we spend our money, and I think there's gotta be a better way to live. And here's the third question. What is one step you could take to live generously this week? Our, our, one of our core values at the chapel is to live generously. We impact our church and our community and our world in this way. And uh, I just want to share some numbers with you because this is really incredible. And, and I'm not sharing these numbers because of like, hey, look at us. We're awesome. But I'm sharing this because look what God has done, right? Because you have chosen to be generous. You have chosen to be faithful. We were able to give $45,000 away year to date in benevolence, which is amazing because somebody comes into the church and they're like, I am just in trouble I, something happened, my car broke down, I'm not gonna get paid till next week, 
or, or they're not going to be able to make rent, or there's a medical bill or something. And the chapel, we are able to step in and take care of that because of your faithfulness. You gave $10,000 to help people who were devastated by the wildfires in Maui. You gave $20,000 to help people who were displaced from their homes because of the Ukraine war. This year, we gave two, you gave $223,000 towards missions both locally and globally for a grand total of $298,000 that our church was able to give because of God's generosity in your life and your generosity in the lives of others. So, what do you do? I think the first question is to ask, find somebody who loves you and who cares enough about you to hurt your feelings and ask them this question. Say, is there any greed in my life? And then listen. Don't ask yourself this question. And then when they tell you what it is, don't explain it. Don't blame it on something else and don't justify it. Don't defend it. Just listen. And then, like I said, I'd love to say, hey, go be more generous. But that's too vague. So here's some. Uh, you know, maybe you go home and you're like, you know what, that... that Weirdo was right. We've got too much stuff. We need to have a garage sale. And you'll have a garage sale and you'll make a bunch of money and then guess what you'll do with that money? Buy more stuff. So, so go. Have a garage sale and then give that money away. Here's another one and you're going to think I'm absolutely crazy for this one. Um, have, you, have you ever thought about giving away a car? Well, listen. Uh, I'm with you. No. No. Uh, so people ask, service are like, so are you giving away your challenger? I'm like, no, it's impractical. Nobody would want that thing. Uh, we have had people donate cars to our church, and I have been a part of delivering those cars to people in need. And you have no idea how much it can radically transform someone's life when you give them a way to get to work or to get their kids to school. It is unbelievable. Believable, And you might be thinking, that's crazy. I just paid this car off. I'm using it on the trade-in for money. But just like, what if you allowed God to work through you to be generous, to do something absolutely incredible in the lives of somebody else? I think about um, this. What about creating a benevolence account where you just have a bank account and you just put money into it and it's for nothing other than to help other people? Because what I've learned is that when you already have money set aside, you'll start to notice the needs that you could meet. You'll start to pay attention to those things. I think about giving to missionaries. I think about the shoebox drive that we're having. There was a family, and, and I, they told me this last night, I didn't believe them at first. They said it took six months, but one year they did 1,000 shoeboxes. So I think this year they have to do 1,001, right? Because it's one more. That's incredible, right? It took them six months. They said this was a huge family event. But like maybe, maybe you're in a place where you're like, you know, I just don't have a lot of money to give. Have you ever thought about like, be a blood donor, be a living organ donor? It's, there's so many ways to do this. Uh, this past week, we got to help a friend out. This is Todd. He is uh, in the middle right there with the red hat on. Todd, unfortunately, has cancer, and it's not looking good for him. And, and he's just weak, and he can't do a lot of stuff. And at his house, they needed some work done in their backyard. So us as a staff, we got together, and we were cutting trees and ripping out weeds, and I got poison ivy all over. Uh, and it was just, it was incredible to be able to help. Even through the poison ivy, it was just so blessed, so blessed for us for, to be able to help him in this way, and for him to just be able to take a breath and say, that's taken care of. All of us have ways to be generous, but the first step, the very first step is to believe, because you can't make your heart generous 
but Jesus can. Jesus can. People don't change, but Jesus changes people. Let your heart and your life be transformed by the gospel. The gospel is the truth that every single one of us through our thoughts and words and actions have sinned against God, have turned our backs on God, and yet God loved you and me so much that he sent his only son to live and to die and to come back to life. And through faith in him, we are freed from the slavery of sin. And maybe you do believe, but you haven't been close to Jesus lately. I'm telling you to get close because Jesus said that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And some of that fruit might be generosity. You can't give what you don't have. And maybe that scares you because Jesus may ask you to walk away from some things. He may ask you to be generous and that just scares you. But I promise you, he's worth it. He's worth it. So as we close, I'm gonna put a prayer on the screen that I'm gonna pray, and you're welcome to read along silently in your heart if you would like to help us to get it, to understand that generosity can give us what greed can't get us. Jesus, thank you for your incredible generosity toward me. May your generosity overwhelm any greed in my heart that I may reflect your kindness to the world. Protect me from myself and from the love of money and free me to live a life that refreshes others through your love and kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, just a reminder that if you're interested in getting baptized, if you have questions, we would love to help you to understand what baptism is, what it isn't, answer any questions that you have. That'll be in C2 right now. For the rest of you, thank you so much for being with us. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. Mm -hmm.